this week's edition of Sunday Morning Live from Fresh Fire Church. Today's message from Pastor Adam will encourage and strengthen your walk with Christ. If you would like to be a partner with Fresh Fire Church for $15 a month or more, become our patron on Podbean or visit freshfirechurch.net. And now, let's join the service. Yes. Boy, he's worthy of your praise today. Amen. If nothing else, we just need to thank him for protection these last couple of days. Amen. If if you got what we got in Uniontown, my Lord, storms and storms. And uh, uh, I'm just grateful he protected me and all of you. Amen. I'll tell you, those of you that are on social media, uh, I lost one big pine tree and a second one. And I thought the third tree, David, the one we contemplated tearing down. Now for sure it was coming through to split the house, but it's still standing, but he's sure to come down. Uh, but I'm grateful. I'll tell you, uh, a lot of people were damaged in uh, homes and whatnot, but I'm grateful for his protection. And we have power here. The offices don't. Pastor Donnie doesn't. But uh, So just as a heads up, we're playing it by ear what we're going to do tomorrow in the office because uh, right now they're not going to restore power to 11 p.m. Monday. So uh, we'll see. Uh, how that goes, but uh, so for those of you that help in the office, we'll we'll be in touch. Is all I can say. All right, um, and uh, we're going to try to get things uh, kind of cut up and uh, fixed up up there at the big house where the massive tree fell. This electric company did their part, but uh, now the rest is up to us, I guess. So we're going to try to start dealing with that Monday. If you're free and you want to help, uh, whether you got a chainsaw or not, just come and you can be arms. Uh, my dad's going to come and bring a machine to try to help because it pulled roots and all. And there's a big hole now. So, uh, but I'm grateful that it didn't crush the neighbor's house. It came down, I mean, within inches of their house. Just grazed them. So I'm grateful and thankful that uh, everyone's safe and uh, structures are still intact. And hallelujah. So I'm grateful for all of you that are here and pray that you didn't sustain much damage and uh, that we're still alive and well. Amen. Just God's goodness in a lot of ways, not just that way, but that's just one way we can thank God for his goodness and his protection. Amen. And his faithfulness as always in this over our lives in this place. Glory, glory, glory. Grateful to see some of you and some that we prayed for last week. You're back. And now some that were here last week, they're not here. And we're grateful to see all of you. Angela, it's good to see you. Amen. We're still praying for recovery and good to see old scott with us today as well and continuing to pray for strength and recovery and we were praying for david last week and uh harley last week and the list goes on and on and you all were praying for my grandson and we appreciate that and still believe in god for him to touch him as well and heal him and restore him hallelujah so appreciate the prayers and the concerns some of you've been asking and and we're just uh, following the orders of the doctors and then uh, just following what the great physician of all might say and believing on his word above all else. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Well, I have not been able to get away from love. Well, last week I didn't really get to preach, right? Um so if you missed last week, I only gave you like a couple of nuggets as we prayed for people. And I thought, well, I'm just going to preach what I didn't get to preach last week. And God really fooled me 
because he uh, began to just speak to me about something else. And out of a, uh, we're going to still use John 3.16 as the basis, but he really started speaking to me out of the book of Hosea. And so I want to continue on this theme of love, and I just believe it's a word for you and I today for the body of Christ. I'm telling you, and it, for you and I to just have revelation of the kind of love that he has for you and I. Amen. He is not a man that he should lie. And so when he says that he loves us, when, we, when it even says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, it, this, I believe, today will help giving you and I a better grasp and understanding on the kind of love and the way of which God loves you and I. And in turn, how you and I are supposed to love others. Oh, I just, I cannot get away from it. It hasn't left me alone. I mean, it was stirring in me this week, Cynthia. I, I thought I was going to have an easy couple of days and, and leading up to Sunday and just, just pondering on the word of God, just kind of meditating on what I was going to preach last week. And God said, no, I want to show you something else. And so he took me to the book of Hosea. And I, I, I have to share this with you today. And, and, and it, it, we're, we've been doing this series called Battered and Bruised Love. That's the main series. But I'll title today's message, Go for Gomer. All right. Go for, not gopher. Go for Gomer. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Some of you might not be familiar with Gomer, but you will be shortly. I'm telling you, uh, I just want you to begin to have an understanding of the love that God has for you, how he wants you and I to love others. And through it, I believe that God will help heal some of us and restore some of us from, from battered and bruised love. From battered and bruised love. You know, people who we thought really loved us but betrayed us badly right? Bad marriages, right? Bad and battered and bruised just situations and relationships in life that have hurt us, even church relationships sometimes. Hallelujah. Some of the greatest hurt I've ever experienced in life wasn't through family, but through church. Yeah, there is battered and bruised love. Amen. I've shared a little bit over the years, but at eight years old, I was a part of splitting an entire church because the Holy Ghost anointed me to play piano and people didn't like it. And when you're eight and people start rising against you at eight years old and wanting you and your family trying to run us out of town, no joke. And it, it, it messed with me. I packed up my drumsticks. I said, I'm never going to play again. These people are crazy, right? I don't want nothing more to do with it, right? I'll just play for myself. Hallelujah. It'll mess with you, right? And it'll sort of give you an attitude. Anybody else ever? So I was like nine years old and had an attitude against church because of how people acted hallelujah because we are supposed to be a representative of him and the earth and sometimes we don't do a really good job of being a representative amen but god wants you and i to represent him in the earth and so in order to do that i believe we have to really learn to love like him that's why this is really where god has me to be with this with this series that we've been doing we've got to learn to love better to be better at the way in which we are with people. Amen. I believe that's what God has called our church to do and to be to this community. The reason God, we're, we're coming up on, on soon four years since we moved from out on Route 40 to Uniontown. And I believe we've done a really good job at loving people. But now I believe God is bringing this word to you and I because he wants you and I to really love them hands on. Oh, in a, in a relationship kind of way, you know. 
where we really get to know them and they really get to know us and to where they really just see the, 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 the essence of who Jesus is in us. Hallelujah. And so that's really why I believe God hasn't let me get away from this. So who knows how long we'll be in this subject and territory of battered and bruised love. But we're going we're gonna to go and continue today with this message I'll title Love or, or, or Go for Gomer. Hallelujah. So I'm going to start today with where we've been starting with John chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We're going to use a couple of scriptures today. John chapter 3. And of course, familiar to us all. You don't even have to turn to see it, but I encourage you to turn to read it anyway because uh, we need greater revelation from it. So many of us, we quote it and we, we, we don't even really understand the real love of God. And so uh, this is going to help us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. While you're getting your Bibles and turning there, you can also put a finger in Romans chapter 5. We're going to look there next. Romans chapter 5 as well. Hallelujah. I'll say hello to everybody on Facebook. We love you. Appreciate you. For everybody who's not here today and watching, we miss you. We're praying for you. And everybody on Pittsburgh Faith and Family Channel, we love you too. We're so glad they watch. Yes. John chapter 3, of course, verse 16 and 17. Hallelujah. For God so loved the world. Remember a couple weeks ago, we really took our time on that. For God so loved the world. Notice it doesn't say for God loved, but he so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Just stop there for a moment. I, I, I was going to deal with that, that, that verse 17, how he did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might really be saved. But we'll, we'll get to that. I'm going to insert today's message right there instead. For God so loved the world. I really believe, just before we go to Romans chapter 5, I really believe that it is difficult for some of us to really grasp that kind of love. It might be easier for some of you than it is for me, but it really can be challenging for you and I to really wrap our head around that kind of love, that he loved the world so much. He loved the people in the world so much. Think about it. God who, who, who could speak a word and created everything. Great and powerful God, God that, that spoke into nothing and it became something. Loved you and I so much that we read in John three sixteen. God who spoke words and galaxies were formed. Thousands of them were formed and yet you and I just live in one, right? Think about how massive and big and powerful he is that God loved you and I so much that he gave his only son. The same God who breathed in life, breathed life into Adam. Amen. Difficult for you and I to grasp. Now, Romans chapter 5, just verse 6 and 8. Hallelujah. We're setting this up. Romans 5, verse 6. It says, for when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. 
Uh-oh. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly, not just church people, not just those of us who show up on Sunday. It says Christ died for the ungodly. But look at this, verse 7, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Amen, Ramona. Glory. Look at that. I mean, try to, try to, try to grasp this. It says, verse 7, for scarcely for a righteous man, maybe one will die. He's saying, Texas saying Jesus died for the ungodly. We, I don't think we do a really good enough job at teaching that in the church. He, he died for people that will never give him the respect that he deserves, never even utter a word of worship. He died for them. People who will never enter the doors of the church. It says he died for the ungodly. Verse 7, Paul, Paul's talking about how our society and our culture and, and how maybe, just maybe, we would die for a good man. Some of us, if we were caught in a bad situation, maybe someone in this place would, would give your life to die for a good man. Maybe. But he says scarcely. And even more rare, he says, for a somewhat good guy. And he says, then he ends with, while we were yet still sinners, while I was still a mess, while we were still uh, caught up in all the things that we were, maybe some of you weren't always like me. I was a PK, but I was a, I was a, tr I was a true blue PK, you know, preacher's kid, right? And they all, you know, they've always said that we're always the worst. I sort of was the instigator and the center of everything that ever went wrong. If there was trouble going on in youth group, it was me right? If there was something going on in children's ministry, I was doing it. If I, there was someone to be picking on, I was doing the picking, right? Whatever it was, I was sort of always caught up in the middle of everything. But the Bible says that for he died for the ungodly before we ever even came to know who Jesus really was and, and what he ever did for us, he, he died for us. Hallelujah. He didn't just send his son. He, he, he didn't just t send his son. Think about this. He sent his son to die for bad people. Bad people, as if there's any good people, right? Stay with me now. Right? When we really look at the world, isn't it sometimes it's really a struggle to say, are there really any good people? Right? In our world and the things that go on, it can be really challenging to say, are there really any good people? But he, we have to begin to understand and realize to be able to have a love for people like he wants us to have love, we need to begin to really understand the love that he has for people that will never worship him, for people that will never call upon his name. For people that would, would soon, soon curse God than anything else, he died for them. He, he had that kind of love for, for them. He died for the ungodly, not just those of us who worship him and call out his name or shout like we do during worship or will bow our knee in prayer, but it says that he died for the ungodly. Think about this. He did all of that. He, he died without any guarantee while we were all still sinners. 
He died without any guarantee of anything in return. Oh, how much when we love people, how we always want something in return. Right? We, we sort of love very conditionally. Right? Not God, he, he loved in a way, he said, I'm, I'm not even expecting. He said, I know. He was loving in a way, I know that some of the, the many people in the earth won't, won't ever acknowledge me or worship me or pray to me. Hallelujah. But I'm going to love them and I'll die for them anyway. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why we have such a heart for our community. That's why God is continuing to cause us to be, be the church that's going to do and serve and give and help and all of those things. I, I'm telling you, uh, because he wants us to demonstrate his love. Amen. And in order to do that, we've got to, one, we've got to love God. We've got to love one another, and we've got to love those around us. God is doing a work in you and I about loving people, even loving the difficult people that are in our lives. Hallelujah. How many of you have ever heard the term maybe groupie? Right? right. It's been a while, right? Some of us have sort of outgrown being a groupie, perhaps. Uh, some of us maybe not. All right, a groupie, a, a, a groupie. By that I mean a fan. More, more specific, more even than a fan. How about a fanatic? Right. Someone. It's usually uh, someone that that is obsessed with like an artist or an entertainer or somebody like that. How they kind of stalk them. They stalk them on social media. They go to every concert. They they know everything about them. Right. They they they, they just know everything and every detail about them. An obsession, right, uh, with someone. My my kids growing up had certain obsessions with different people, and and and, and my 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 daughter was sort of a, a groupie of when she used to watch Hannah Montana and weird things like that, and 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 my my son was as obsessed as I was with like Reba McIntyre, right, and and whatever, you know, and and on and on and on, and. I could give you a lot. My mom, she's not here today, so she'll get picked on. My, my mom just was obsessed with Patrick Swayze. Uh-huh, you know. If you don't know who he is, you have to Google him, all right? Uh, but 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 uh, he, he, uh, there there were there were uh, obsessions. We've all probably had them, perhaps a time or two. I'm going somewhere with this. Just bear with me. And yet, then there's some of us that we don't really we, we wouldn't call ourselves a groupie of anybody. We've never really had a fascination about someone like that, and because we recognize that we're we're not going to be deceived, right? Uh, most groupies have an idea, or at least a fantasy, that that somehow they're going to know who they are. That if we go to a concert, they're going to know who we are. They're going to pull us out of the crowd and fall in love and we're going to get married and live happily ever after, right? We, a lot of people have that idea. And so they're obsessed and they'll go to every concert and every venue and know everything about them and, and, and things like that. And, and, and yet the truth of the matter is, is the artist or the entertainer, whoever it is, they'll never know who we are, right? We, we can go to every Steeler game there is, but the quarterback will never know who you are. They just won't, right? You're one of just thousands in the crowd, right? You can tweet them every day, and they're still not going to know who you are. We're beautiful people. We're amazing people, right? And God loves you and I, but people like Patrick Swayze and Justin Bieber or whomever, they do not. They don't know us, and they don't love us like that, all right? But yet we sort of have this idea, and we remain a groupie anyway. They really are people that they don't even know we exist, now, I will confess that years ago, 
don't judge me for this, but years ago, I was sort of a, a groupie of a particular person, Pastor Michelle and Scott aren't with us, but they're still in Fairmont, but uh, she knows all about this, and Brandon and Cindy, they had to leave, but uh, uh, some, some folks know and went with me years ago. I, I was just... I'll say I was a follower of a particular uh, female pastor, and I've just fallen in love with her ministry, still love it to this day. Phenomenal the way God speaks to her and uses her, and I'm not going to use her name because uh, for, for many reasons. And so uh, uh, anyway, uh, years ago, she came to preach in Charleston, West Virginia, and we happened to find out about it, and a bunch of us hopped in the car, went down. We go, we enjoy the night of powerful ministry. We get there, and the whole time we're sitting there, but people on both sides of me are, Pastor, that's what you've been preaching. That's what you've been preaching. I'm like, yeah, you know, God's speaking the same thing. It was really great, and the whole way down, everyone's joking. She's going to pull you out of the crowd and, 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 and pray over you, and you guys are going to fall in love, get married, you know, blah, 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 and they're joking, you know, with me. And I'm like, no, she, I, we're just one of thousands. She, she ain't never going to see me, and sure enough, the night came. We even went up, got prayer. Night came and went. Uh, she was was praying for people but she had security like you know an entourage as many do and you uh, you couldn't get within close distance of her to lay a hand on you anyway let alone speak to you or pull you out of a crowd because her big burly security men would knock you to the ground and so the night comes and goes we're on the way home guess what she didn't pull me out of the crowd she didn't know me by name she didn't call me up we didn't fall in love and we didn't live happily ever after but I was still a groupie right Come home and months go by. Didn't think anything about it. You know, whatever. It was just, we went for, experienced the presence of God. It was powerful. It was great. Months go by and all of a sudden I get a notification from Twitter. It says, Pastor so-and-so followed you. My heart stopped. I broke out in a cold sweat. I was like, she knows who I am. I was just, I mean... I'm telling you, I, 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 I was besides myself. And then she started liking my post. I'm like, oh, this is, it's on, God. Hallelujah. You found favor. Amen. What they, these people said it was prophecy. I, I considered it a joke, but, Lord, maybe you were right. Lo and behold, we, we, we exchanged. She sent me a message and says, I'm aware of your ministry. See you sometimes on television, blah, blah, blah. God bless you. Sent like a prophetic word. I was just like, I melted on the floor. I'm like, oh, God, I'm so in love to have a godly woman like this. Time goes by. She ends up meeting another famous man, getting married, falling madly in love. And I thought, well, God, I can't compete with that. We, we, we tweet one another. We DM once in a while, right? But, but see, my point is, is she knew me enough to say, hey, appreciate your ministry. See you on TV. God bless you. Praying over you. Think what you do is awesome. She knew me enough to, to tweet me. But she didn't know me enough to really love me. She didn't know me enough to lay down her life for me. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So I can be a groupie. But it doesn't really mean, and they can even know who you and I are. Oh, yes. But it doesn't really mean that they know you. Hallelujah. That they, they, they will give up their life for you and I. Now, I want you to consider that for a moment. Think of John 3.16 again. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever... Pause there for a moment. I was having a conversation with God this week. God, you mean you gave your son for a whosoever? 
for whosoever. Not anyone specific, but everybody. That whosoever. My God. Whosoever. God loved you and I. God loved the addicts. God loved the harlot. God loved them all. And he said, God, for God so loved the world. Just a, just a big blanket over everybody. God loved the world. God loves the people who, who leave their needles in the parking lot, right, from getting high. God loves the people who, the prostitutes that walk up and down in front of the church. God loves the, 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 the people who were, were, were strung out on something last night. God, God loves everybody. He says, for God so loved the world that whosoever, that God loved the world before, before you and ever I were ever even thought of in our mom and dad's womb. God loved you and I before all of that. He loved you and I so much Think about it, that God loves you and I so much that he follows us everywhere. The Bible even says he, he knows you and I so well, he, he knows the n- number of hairs on our head, right? He, the Bible describes you and I as that we're the apple of his eye. He loves you and I so much. Don't be offended by me terming it this way, but it's because of where I'm going. If nothing else, God could be your groupie. He is infatuated with you. In all of us. You know that? He loves you and I so much. Yes, he does. Loves you and I so much. Y'all got, get, are, are kind of quiet. He is, it's as if he's your groupie. He knows everything about you. He knows every stat about you. He understands your mood swings. Amen. Thank you, God. People don't understand mine, but you do. Hallelujah. He, he understands everything about us. He'll follow you and I. He, he just keeps an eye on us no matter what. And he says that he, he, he died for you and I, even, at, even knowing that we, when we would be at our worst place. Think about that. That's why I, I say that. He loves you and I so much. Even the Bible says how he, he even watches us when we sleep. Now, that, that may sound a little creepy to some people, but, but, but think about it. He even watches you and I when we sleep. That's how much he loves you. Amen. He's watching you, right? Not creepy like that, but, you know, it sounds that way. God loves you and I so much. Think about that, that even while you sleep, it's as if he watches you. I don't know about you, but when I'm holding my grandson, you know, yeah, I'm old enough to be a grandpap. And, and when I'm holding my grandson and he's sleeping, I just sit in awe. Right? I mean, just like I did with my kids, you know, that my daughter's old enough to be, uh, to have a grandson. It's like, woo. But I even love little Warren even more than I feel like I did my kids. Like, there's just a different, like, he'll never do anything wrong, you know. He, he can be the worst kid. He can do the worst of things, and Pap's going to love him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Right? Right, Harley? You get me, right? He'll come say, Pap, I need some money. I'll probably just hand it over. I, I won't be able even to pay my bill, and I'll give it to him because I'm a sucker like that already. I'm already handing his mom money. I'm like, Yo, go, go, go get him something, you know. I'm just in awe of him, but, but think about how I might look at my grandson and be in awe like that. God looks at you, and, it's, and the Bible says he, he even watches you when you sleep, that it's as if God watches you, Cynthia, and he is in awe of you even when you're sleeping. He's loving on you. Amen. Even well, You can be in bed all by yourself. You, you might be widowed or, or divorced or whatever your situation is, but you are never alone. He is always watching you. And he's not just watching you. He, is, he, is just, he loves you that much that he can't take his eyes off of you. I mean, 
right? We, we are so focused in our cultural art of finding someone that would be obsessed with us in this life. We want some woman. I, I wanted that pastor to be in all of me art. I wanted me to walk in that arena and her just, we make eye contact and she'd be like, oh, and, and say, I'm going to marry you, Adam, and us go get married that night. I'm telling you, Sister Ramona, I, I just thought this is going to happen. Well, it didn't, clearly. But let me tell you something. We have such a, a, an addiction to that kind of thing in our culture, and our, our culture, especially here in our country, is such a perverted form of love. And we've made love into something. Remember a few weeks ago even, we make a big deal about Valentine's Day and roses and all those things. And we think that that kind of stuff is love and that's not love. So what? You didn't get roses. So what? He didn't take you to dinner. That's not love anyway. It might be nice. It might be a gesture. But we've reduced love down to, to something like that. No, the real love is the kind of love we're talking about that God has for you and I. That no matter, that, that he gave his life before we were ever formed in our mother's womb, right? He gave his life for you and I. He gave his life and died for the ungodly. I mean, that's love. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's been times in my life earlier, as God called me into ministry at an early age, but even when I was younger and teenage, I was trying to get God sort of off my trail, you know. How many of you know when God's really coming, he's, he's just, you can feel the Holy Spirit convicting you and, and reining you in, and the more the Holy Spirit's doing it, I would fight that. You know, it was like, it was like wherever I would go, God was right there. And I was sort of like, get, just stop that. You know, I would leave church on a Sunday night, want to do my thing. And there's God. And, and I'm like, just stop it. Just leave me alone. Right. But God loves you and I so much that he can't leave us alone. Right. He, he'll just keep coming for you and I. Right. He, he'll, he'll just keep coming for you and I and, and, and introducing himself and showing himself up in, in all kinds of ways that he's he's God and he loves you and I so much that he's always going to be there because he loves you and I. I. I want you to understand something that love is, is, is really the theme of this life. I know we try to say that this life is all about other things, but if we really look at what Jesus was teaching and we look all through Scripture, the theme of this life is really about love. It's about love. The main theme of our own existence in this world is love. Love is the purpose for which we were created. Right? We, we, are, we are the objects of God's obsession, even, we could say it that way. And nothing can, can change that, right? He still loves us. He, he said that he, he, he loves and he died for the ungodly. God loves you and I. Now, I said that we were going to get to Hosea chapter uh, 3, and that's where I want to go now. Hosea chapter 3. So if you still have your Bible's handy, turn there. If not, we'll throw it on the screen for you. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God loves you. God loves you. Remember I said the other week, we, we went and led 350 people to Jesus in one week down at the college campus. All we said was, uh, has anyone ever told you that God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life? Boom, we hooked him. No? Well, let me tell you about that. You're able to lead people to Jesus. God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life. Hallelujah. A lot of people in the world don't think the church loves them, let alone God. 
because we don't dress right, we don't act right, all of those things. But he loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life. This is, this is how much God loves you, and I'm going to use this as, as, a, as, as an example for you and I. Go ahead, turn that on for me, would you? Hallelujah. Look, uh, 750 years before we read this text, 750 years before Jesus came to the earth to solve the sin problem. God's extraordinary, ridiculous, uh, unconditional love shows up in full display. Listen to what I said, 750 years before Jesus. It came and showed up through a young man named Hosea. Oh, hallelujah. Hosea. Now, Hosea is a prophet of Israel. And Hosea is given probably one of the most exceptional and ridiculous assignments of any other prophet. See, most prophets didn't just speak prophecy. They, they lived their prophecy. God assigned Hosea to be a speaker for God to Israel. And this is what his assignment was. Watch this. He asked Hosea to marry a prostitute. A few weeks ago, I alluded to this. Just mentioned it briefly. He asked him to marry a prostitute and Hosea probably said like I would and like I've done to God, I'm sorry, come again, Lord? I I'm sorry, what, what, what did you say? Some of the things God has asked our church to do, I've questioned, but like, I'm sorry, what? When he told us to buy other properties behind us and right, and he's asked us to do big things and feed our community. I'm sorry, what God? You want us to do what? So Hosea is asked by God, he says, I want you to marry this prostitute. And he says, come again, Lord. He says, I, I told you I want you to marry this promiscuous woman. And God really didn't give Hosea much of an explanation at all. He just said, do it. How many of you know sometimes God will do that? He'll, he'll just urge you and I to do something without much explanation at all. Just like we as parents sometimes will tell our children, do this. And, and, and they'll go question or whine. And I'll say, I don't need to explain myself to you. Just do it. God does that with me. I don't need to explain myself to you, Adam. Just do what I told you to do. So the Bible says that Hosea buries a prostitute named Gomer. What a name. Hallelujah. Gomer. They're married for a few years, and we're going to get to the text. I, I just need to set this up. They're married for a few years, and things are going well. They had some children. They had a baby boy, and then they had a, a baby girl, and then their third child was another baby boy. Things are great. Marriage seemed to be going well, Hosea thought. Until one morning prophet wakes up and gets up out of bed she's not there 
Like most of us, Hosea probably ran down the hall to check the kids' rooms. She's not there. Probably runs down and checks the kitchen. Oh, maybe she's making breakfast. She's not there. Probably checks the living room or wherever else, right? Looks outside, but he can't see Gomer anywhere. She's gone. Nowhere to be found. Probably waits around and see, maybe she just ran to Giant Eagle. I don't know. Ran up to the mall. I don't know. She still doesn't come back. And Isaiah finds himself a single dad of three kids. Suddenly. Suddenly. Now, consider the fact that Hosea is one of the most famous people in all of Israel. God's been using him mightily. And now he has to deal with the embarrassment that is going to be so apparent. A man that he's supposed to be as a prophet of God, he's supposed to be a beacon of hope to the people of Israel and he can't even keep his wife at home. I mean, that's what he's supposed to be. And so as we read through the scripture, I'm sure there were some dark and sleepless nights. But God, after some time, spoke to Hosea and gave him a plan. And he says to Hosea, Hosea, yeah, God. He said, there's something I want you to do. I, I have a plan for Gomer. Yeah, yeah, God, what, what's the plan? I want you to go find her and I want you to marry her again. What? Well, God, first of all, where am I supposed to find her? What do you mean marry her again? She left me. I sort of would have an attitude with that one. I'd be like, God. Hosea being the prophet that he is. A man that knows and understands and will heed the voice of God does exactly what God asks him to do. And that brings us to Hosea chapter 3, verse 1. I love this. Then the Lord said to me, go again. Love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery. Just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who look to other gods, love the raisin cakes of the pagans. Pause there for a moment. I want you to understand this is all happening in a time where Israel was going through some great prosperity. It's happening all over Israel. And there's a great, and the theme of Israel, even at that time, was love. 
I, I don't have the time to go in and weave in and out right now to, to show you this, but what's happening in, 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 in history in this moment of time is there is love, and God keeps trying to speak to them about love. And, and, and I know this because even as we read and study the Word, there were three major themes theologies that that Israel had about love and I'm going to name them to you real quick number one they believed that love could be purchased the people of Israel believed that love could be purchased number two they believed that love is the pursuit of self-gratification and number three they believed that love could be discovered and found in inanimate objects things I thought, God, that sounds eerily familiar to our world. That we sort of live in a, among people who believe that love can be purchased, that we can buy it. I can buy you things and you'll love me. Right? We, we live in a world where we believe that love is the pursuit of what makes me feel good. And we have a love for things more than we do people. Some people love their phone more than they do people. Right? Because we make sure we know where it is at all times. I mean, for twelve, thirteen hundred dollars we probably should know where they are. But, but the point is, is we'll pay more attention to that than we will the people that are within our circle. A love for things. We'll spend way more time washing and waxing a vehicle than we ever really will loving on people in our community. I'm for real. It sounded so familiar and I just thought, man, God, this is the world in which we live. How we kind of live and love so carelessly. But see, God's love pierces through all of that. And what God wants to do and what God is speaking in this moment with Hosea about his wife, Gomer, is God wants to demonstrate to his people what love really is. 750 years before Jesus comes, he's trying to introduce them to what his love really is. What I really believe is uh, this, is, this story is only second to the, to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as far as love in all of Scripture. This is the only probably second to, to that of what love really is. The love of God. Second only to it. So I want you to, to think about this. Hosea then leaves. He hears the word of God. He leaves and goes looking for his wife, Gomer. And like all of us, we probably know the part of town to go. Come on. If we live in Uniontown, we all know you come to East End, Gallatin Avenue. Come on. Oh, how our community judges us. On the East End. All the bad things happen over here. And so Hosea probably left his plush house and on the other side of town and went to a part of, the, uh, uh, of town that men of God weren't supposed to go. You know, the part of town he should not be seen in. On the other side of the railroad tracks. He starts walking up and down the streets and 
course, he's well known. Everybody knows who Hosea is. He's, he's a prophet that's used by God all over the place. And he starts walking up and down. And Hey, 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 brother. Probably embarrassed. He says, Have you seen my wife? People probably answer him, no, no. I, I, I don't know, understand. What, I mean, she's not with you? No. Well, I, don't, I don't know where she is. So he probably walks on and keeps asking people and over and over, maybe some that he knew and some that he never really knew. And he says, hey, I'm sorry. Have you seen Gomer? I can't find her anywhere. She left a few days ago and I, I need to find her. No, no, no. But check down, check down the street. Probably goes on down the street and asks somebody else. He says, you know, I just saw her the other day. I, I wondered what, why she was here. down the street over there on the right I saw her in an auction place Isaiah says an auction what are you talking about just get down there I'm sure you'll see her Hosea shows up he finds Gomer but I bet she was so humiliated she probably couldn't even look at him What it was is break it really all down where Hosea walks into. He had to walk into a selling block. Gomer had been acquired by men that were going to sell her in the sex slave industry, basically. And she's up for auction. And if you read on, this chapter it says that although that was he tells them and hey 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 that's my wife say no 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 she's ours if you want if you want her you got to bid like everybody else in here now watch this Hosea had to purchase what was already his he was already married to her they already had children together and here she is and these men argue and say no 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 she's ours and if you want her you gotta buy her so he has to start bidding against other people who wanted to purchase her and the Bible says that Hosea paid 15 pieces of silver and five and, and, and five bushels of barley people probably yelling out, Hosea, what are you doing? She's already yours. Yes, she is, but I'll pay the price to make her mine again. Are you still with me? Oh, hallelujah. Now, remember, the Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness therein. And yet God sent his son to spill his blood to purchase what was in fact already his. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness therein. See, you need to understand 
that we are already his, in case you didn't know. You and I are already his. Already his. Now, the Bible says, Hosea in verse 3, proceeds to, after purchasing her and buying her back, The Bible says that that he proceeds to, right here in verse 3, to renew his vows. That's basically what begins to happen. This is what he says. I I don't know if they have it on the screen. Watch this. Hosea proceeds to renew his vows in verse 3. He says, and I said to her, oh my God, look at this. And I said to her, you shall stay with me many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. So too will I be toward you. Now, something great begins to happen immediately after he renews his vows. The Spirit of the Lord comes on Hosea, and he begins to prophesy. Oh, I just love how God moves. As soon as he was obedient to what God had called him to do, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him and he begins to speak prophetically. And then he goes on right here in verse 4. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, without ephod or teraphim. Afterward, verse 5, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. Now, there's some stuff there that I'd love to be able to point out to you. He, he, he's saying, he's saying, he's saying David, but I, I need you to understand that, that he, he's saying the name David, but he does not mean David. When, when he's using the name David because all Hosea is yet to know, he, he's yet to know the name Jesus. He's saying, you shall, you shall seek the Lord their God and David their king speaking. Now, the reason I say that is because David, we know. We know, uh, we know through Scripture that David is a, a messianic stand-in. That's all. For they will call Jesus the son of David. So he's really speaking about Jesus, right? So, but he's doing the best that he can with the knowledge that he has so far. So what Hosea is really doing in this moment is he is prophetically speaking of the name uh, 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 of the name of the days of Jesus. He says there will come a day where they will have a king and they will fear the Lord and his goodness in those days. Watch this. All throughout the Old Testament, we know the reoccurring theme was people often lived in terror and in fear of God's judgment. But Hosea stood after purchasing his wife back and he prophesied a new day, a new era was coming. A new covenant was on the way where there would be a king and people will be in awe of his goodness. That's what he was prophesying. He's saying there, there's a new era coming and, 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 and people are gonna follow and worship after this king and not just that they're going to worship after this king, but, but they're going to be in all of his goodness. Now watch this real closely. 
This is why love and you and I having an understanding of love is so important. This is where I believe we as the church have failed. How will the world ever understand and see and be in awe of the goodness of the Lord is if we are not good demonstrators of the love of God. Because the Bible says, not me, the Bible says that it is the goodness It is his goodness that leads people to change. What did it say? It didn't say me preaching at them and telling them how bad they are. It says it is his goodness that lead people to change. Do you know how many people we have been able to impact and reach by the thousands that we feed and the thousands that we close? I mean, we impact them. Impact them so much. We, we had a woman that watches us on TVs up north of Pittsburgh, and she sent me a nice handwritten note, and she was 88 years old, and she said, I don't have anything, but she said, I got a, a, her rent stimulus. She said in the letter, I can't even buy food most of the time, and I live on a really small budget, but she said, I got a rent stimulus, and she said, I was watching you on TV, and I always hear on the news about all the big things that you guys do, and she said, She just, I just wanted to help you love on those people. That's what she said. So she sent a crisp $100 bill through the mail in a letter. I just want to help you love people. And it broke my heart. But here's a woman who doesn't have anything and she's going to do more than her part. Because it is his goodness that leads people to change. Now watch this. I'm going to bring you right to where I need to bring you here. You say, why are you preaching about Hosea? We've been talking about the, I thought we were talking about the love of God and then in turn our love for others. Well, the reason is, because who is Hosea in this text? Hosea is representing God. Oh, Lord. I'm sorry. God has been dealing with me on love in such a way. When all those trees blew down through that storm the other day and just living not far from just up here, first tree that went down was my neighbor's over into my yard. And I instantly thought she came down to a food distribution and she told Lois and I, she said, what do I got to do to be able to you know, get this food? And she said, I see this long line. She said, I've seen it for years. And she said, I... I really need it. But she said, what do you need from me? I said, all we need to know is that if you need it, you can have it. She said, I don't need to show you my pay stub. I said, no. I said, if you say you need it, we're just going to give it to you. She said, really? She said, I can't even. She said, I can't even buy food. 
So when I, she lives right beside me. And so when that tree came down, I instantly thought, God, how is she going to afford this? And then a couple hours go by and my big monstrous, I don't know how big is that, David, 50 feet foot pine tree, trunk this big around. Look out my kitchen door and it's off to the side. Oh man. Yesterday, my mom and Rick stopped and they were looking at it. We were standing in all of this big five foot deep hole. She comes out and she goes, I'm really sorry. She said, I'm really sorry. My tree fell in your yard. She said, I felt really bad. She said, I instantly thought, how am I going to get this cleaned up? I, I don't have a chainsaw. I don't know nobody. And she said, I called my dad. He don't, he don't know nobody. He doesn't have a chainsaw. And so I felt really bad. And she said, until I got up this morning and I saw your big monstrous tree down. She said, but then I didn't feel so bad. She said, I hope you don't mind. I don't know how I'm going to get it. I said, so don't worry about it. I said, your tree's tiny in comparison to this one. I said, I'll tell you what. I said, if you don't care, I got a, a machine coming Monday. And a couple other guys coming. I said, we'll just chop it up. She said, but I can't. I can't pay him. I said, well, I ain't paying him either. I said, it's going to be just us church guys. My dad's coming down from Maryland. And she said, really? And I said, yeah. I said, we just, just, just chalk it up that we love you. We love you. And why, why can't we cut up yours while we're doing this other big one? Sort of doesn't make any sense, right? I said, we just love you. A tear streamed down her face. This is the same woman that a man just months ago fought her and was beating her, beating her so hard and threw her from the porch, broke the banister of the porch, and she fell onto the street, bloodied and bruised by somebody that loved her or said he did. Are you starting to hear what I'm saying? No joke, she let out a scream that night about two in the morning, and I just thought, God, what was that? She's laying on the sidewalk, bloodied and bruised, and her bones shone through her leg. By somebody that loved her, and he battered her, and he bruised her. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so why wouldn't we just cut up a tree? To someone who has been told by another human being that I love you, but I, because I love you, I'll beat you and I'll batter you and, and I'll make you unrecognizable. It was when that happened that God really started speaking to me, just love on this girl. Love on her and the way you love her, I want you to love every member of this community. That's why he's been urging me to love on that prostitute. And love on the, uh, 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 the, the drug dealers behind me. and Love on the guys who are cussing and screaming, going up the street and 
make friends and, and, and just demonstrate the love of God. Don't, don't judge them. Don't condemn them. Don't, don't when they message and say, oh, I can't come to your church because of the lifestyle of love. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I said, if you love God and you want to come, you can come. I said, we just believe the Holy Spirit will deal with whatever's happened in your life. Not me. Not church people. We, we just love you. And so if you love God and you want to worship, you can come. That's what it is to love people. Are you seeing what I'm saying? That's what it is. And it may seem like just a tree to you, but it's another way to love on somebody that doesn't have anything that's used to churches in this area saying don't walk through our yard don't park in our parking lot i mean stupid stuff i don't care if people park in a lot I, I don't care if they park their car and they leave just just because we love you why am i saying all this i i thought pastor you were preaching about love and loving god and love others other yeah because i said that hosea is a representative in here of god of God and so God's showing us I loved I'm showing up as, as Hosea sort of to, to love on this woman so much that I want you to understand how far and how great my love is that even if even if you walk away I'm coming for you there are people in our community within our reach and within our families and those that we love that that, that, that maybe they've walked away from God, but it's our job to let them know He's coming for you. And it don't matter, just like I used to try to swap me, like, God, leave me alone. Stop. No, I don't want to preach. No, I don't want to be all those things. God, no, I don't want to do those things. And He just wouldn't let me alone. He'll just keep coming. Just like Hosea didn't go home when he first couldn't find his wife, he kept looking. He kept looking. God is, he's, He is relentless. And he's going to keep after people. So, so Hosea is, is God in this text. I want you to know something about the name Hosea. Ho, the name Hosea means salvation. It means salvation. Now, who is Gomer? Think about this for a moment. The, the name Gomer means completion. And if the name Gomer means completion, then, then who is Gomer? Gomer is me. Gomer is you. Gomer is them. That's who Gomer is. This is a way that God is saying 750 years before Jesus, He's trying to demonstrate to the people of Israel how much he loves them and that love is not something that can just be bought and it, it, it's not important to love things more than, than people. It's not important to love things more than, than the, he wants them to love him. He's trying to bring a demonstration of love and so he has Gomer leave Hosea and Hosea is walking the streets looking for his wife, Gomer. Gomer is you and I. Jesus is our Hosea. In other words, he completes me. Watch this. Nothing needs to be added when you and I meet our Hosea. When you and I meet Jesus, nothing has to be added. I am complete in him. Now, as I get ready to close, Matthew chapter 9. 
they were complaining about Jesus because he was sitting with some tax collectors and sinners. And they said to Jesus, Jesus, why, why are you eating with such bad people? Why are you hanging around this scum? And Jesus responds like this. He said, I desire mercy. He said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I have come to seek and save the lost. I have not come to think. I have not come to, for those who think themselves to be righteous. But for those who are lost. Jesus was saying to them, right here when he's talking to them, he's referencing right back to Hosea. He's saying, I am your Hosea. And I'll look for you and I'll find you. And if you're caught up in something else, I'll buy you back. Because you're already mine. See, he will search for you and I. The kind of love that God has, he will search for you and I. He will pay whatever the cost because he is our Hosea. What, 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 what I want you to understand about the love of God is I, I think too often we've tried to make the love of God and we try to make it neat and tidy and make it sort of fit in this cute religious little box with a cute little bow on it. But the real love of God, Cynthia, it's messy. The real love of God, when you and I talk about it, and we read this about Hosea, Ramona, it's messy. The kind of love where God says, Hosea, I want you to marry this woman. He marries her, and then she only ups and leaves him to go back into her old life. And he says, I want you to go find her, and I want you to marry her again. So standing there in front of everybody, he's renewing his vows with a wife that just walked out on him because God wanted to put the love of God on full display for everyone to see that's what love is. This is how much I love you, that I'll come get you and I'll find you and I'll buy you back because you're already mine and that I'll pay whatever the cost. Our job is to help people to understand that kind of love, that it doesn't matter how messed up they are. It doesn't matter how, how, how screwed up of a life they did. It doesn't matter the worst of the worst that they've done, that he loves them. That he loves them that much and that before they ever even did what they did, he, he died for them and he died for you and I. And then our job as the believers, as Christians, as disciples of Christ, as followers of him, is to try to love people like that. To love them like Hosea, go get him. Go get him and bring him back. Go get him and bring him back. That love can be messy. The love in our families, April, can be messy. And it can be complicated. And we can be messed up from the floor up, but he still loves you. And he'll come get you. I mean, one of the greatest, greatest betrayals, I think, of any husband and wife happens right there in Hosea chapter 3. And God's trying to show you, it don't matter what you do, I'm coming for you. I'll find you. That's why he says in, in, in 1 John 4, Beloved, if God so loved us, 
we also ought to love one another. Boy, he's testing my love. If God so loved us, listen to what it says. If God so loved us, so we ought to love one another. I got to start loving people that I don't know their names. And we got to recognize that we do all that we do, not for accolades and recognition, not, not so our name can be in the paper or on Channel 4, but because we love people. And we love people because He loved us. And if nothing else, the story about Hosea should help you understand how much and how great He loves you and I. Because when you and I realize that God is representing himself as Hosea here and that you and I are Gomer. And what your Hosea has done for you, you can begin to understand that you're complete in him. Hear what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, we all have issues. Come on. I got issues. I got problems. I got things. But I said that that name, Gomer, means complete. Hosea meant salvation. That you and I are made complete in Him. That you are accepted and that you are loved and that you are forgiven in Him. And so when you realize, when you realize that and when you can realize that that's how much God loves you, then you can decide I, I, that, 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 that you can decide I will do whatever it takes to let every other gomer know and I'll do God whatever it takes to let every other gomer in this world know he's looking for you he's looking for you He's looking for you. God should have shown me that, that 1,200 people that line up in our food line, and the hundreds that come in enormous closet, He's looking for. Is anybody here what I'm saying? God did not, God does not have us doing all that we're doing just to be another church. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I never was interested in being the status quo. I said when we, we left Route 40 to come in here four years ago, almost, it'll be four years ago next month. I said, we're going to go into Uniontown, but if we do, we have to go in like a wrecking ball. Back then, nobody really knew us except for people in the Brownsville area and people who watched us on TV. We don't have millions of dollars in the bank. Or there's no real reason anybody knows. We don't have the nicest church. We've got one of the oldest in fact. But I said, God, I can't move us if, 
And I can't move us into a community that so needs Jesus. If we can't be Jesus, and I'll never forget in prayer, I said, God, I don't know that I'm up to the task of pastoring that community. And it was as if I heard him say, Cynthia, if you'll go, I'll show you. If you'll go, I'll show you. And so we, in 2019, moved to Uniontown. We were here a year, and it was like God had us our training wheels on. And then 2020 came. And the world was caught, shocked, and everything shut down. We were feeding people, but in March of 2020, that's when God said, now. Remember when I said, I will show you. This is how I want you to show them. This is what I want you to do. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. And I was thirsty. And you gave me something to drink. When I was cold, you clothed me. And so what God has done is given us a big platform to just start loving people. But now, now as we get ready to open the Dream Center behind us. God didn't just have us buy that church building and two houses and all those empty lots for nothing. He said, now I want you to love them individually. Now I want you to go get Gomer. That's the purpose of that other church. It's for every Gomer in the world. It's for every Gomer in Uniontown. Fayette County, wherever they might come from. But we're going to love them. And we're going to help them. And we're going to sustain them. And we're going to love them through the ugliest of the ugly. And we're going to let them know, yeah, I know you, you. They may not love you. They might not accept you down there. You might not dress right. You might smell. You might even come in drunk or high. But we're going to love you. And we're going to show you the love of God is so strong and so powerful that he's going to love you till you come out on the other side of this. Because you're Gomer. He's your Hosea. And he's coming for your church. If he loved you like that to come for you, then because he loved us, we got to love somebody else like that. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Who are the Gomers in your life? Who are the gomers that are gone? Who walked away? Who are they? Who's your gomer? Who's your gomer? Who's your gomer? That's what God's asking you and I today. Will you go after Gomer? Go. 
will we abandon what we think we deserve? Will you abandon with rehearsing what they did to you and how they hurt you? And will you go find Gomer? Because they're everywhere. He's calling you and I to love the unlovely. To love the unlovely. So I'm simply going to say this. God help us to love the world. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved even the ungodly. God loved people who he, he knew going in were never going to love him, would never worship him, and there will always be those people. But where are the gomers? Where are the gomers? Where's the ones that God's calling you and I to go get? We got to love the unlovely. God, help us to love the world. God, help us to love bad people. Because I, too, have been bad. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God, help us to love bad people. Because we too have been bad. That's my word for you today. That's, that, that, that's what God showed me. That, that's why I said, I, I just titled it simply, Go for Gomer. Find Gomer. Wherever you run into a Gomer, you, you need to start letting people, just, just let them know you love them in some crazy way. Whether it's cutting up a pine tree or taking her food or whatever it is, just, just find your Gomer and start demonstrating the love of God. People say, well, why, why are you doing it? Just because God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life. And because he loves you, I love you. You'll know he's coming for you. You don't have to tell him. Don't scare him. But he's coming for him. And it is through the love that you and I demonstrate. The Holy Spirit will do what only the Holy Spirit can. He will draw them. And he will rescue them from themselves. And he will save them. And he will complete them. As only he can. Hallelujah. If you're able, can you stand? I... I don't want to close with some fancy altar call. What I, what I really want is that you and I would close and pray. God, help me to love people. God, help us to love people. God, help us to love people. Help us to love people. So I want to close in prayer. And as I pray, I just, if you're struggling to love people, just start making that your prayer. God, help me to love people. God, help me to 
Start loving people by understanding this love between Hosea and Gomer. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I know God, I know that you're trying to speak to us and I know that God, you're doing a work in us to love people even more. But God, I pray that you would, under the sound of my voice, that God, that you would begin to do a work in our hearts and our lives, that God, that you would help us to begin to understand your love for us so that God, we in turn can begin to have a, a love for other people. God, that we can begin to love those who have hurt us, that we can love those who wounded us, love those who, who battered and bruised us. That God, we can be, be an example of the love of Christ here in the earth. God, that we can be an example to love our neighbors like we are up here on the hill. And God, like we're going to love on other people far and wide. God, that we would have revelation today that we're going to go for our Gomer. That we're going to find him. God, the words of Hosea keep ringing in my ear. When, when Hosea said to Gomer, for you shall stay with me. <laughs> for you shall stay with me. That God will be a people that will stay and not go. God, that will be a people that stay connected and in relationship with you and So, Father, my prayer today is, God, begin a work to help us to love people. Begin a work in us, God, that'll help us to understand your love and to love people that, God, even as your word says for how you loved us, so we should love one another. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would begin to touch and move and break away our hard hearts. God, break, break off our religious and judgmental attitudes. And God, even break away mindsets and belief patterns that has caused us to think a certain way about people and how we should be and what we should be and all of those things. God, and can we just, God, will you just help us to see gomers like you see them? Help us to see the value in people that others would discard, that others would throw away. Because God, you loved me when I was Gomer. And so God, because you loved me, I too will love those who are like Gomer. Holy Spirit, I, God, I know, I know you all too well, and I, I know that there are divine appointments ahead of us. To love people like this, 
God, I pray that we would make the most of them. And that we'll just love people. When we find them, where we find them. In what condition we find them. And as we do, as we love these people, God, you're going to bring healing to some of us in this room. Some of you in this room, the way that you're going to get past what's happened to you is by loving somebody else the way that God loves you. Hear what I'm telling you. The way you're going to get past the trauma is when you open your heart and begin to love on somebody the way that God loves on you. That's my prayer, God. Help us to love the people of this world who we don't agree with, who we don't look like, who don't vote like us, who have different cultures than us. Help us to love them. Be Hosea to every Gomer. And Lord, we're going to leave this place. May your presence go with us and before us. God, on our way out today, as we give of tithes and offerings and we bring it forward, God, would you multiply it? Lord, would you increase it? God, I thank you for increase. You're going to help us to just love people. Lord, if you've called us to love people, then you're going to help us to finance it. <laughs> so bring and multiply it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Your name we pray. Amen. And amen. Church, we love you. Have a beautiful week in Jesus. Love on somebody before you go today. Amen. Love on them and love people this week in the name of Jesus. God bless you.